On the weekend of the 28th of October, the Barbican Centre in London will once again play host to the Battle of Ideas Festival. The weekend-long event will feature two days of high-level, thought-provoking public debate, and within that a variety of topics will be discussed within a variety of different formats of discussion. And what we hope to do in this mini-series is showcase some of the topics that will be covered and those people who will be covering them. I'm Max Anderson, and this is Battlecry. On August the 12th, during a now infamous rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, a counter-demonstrator was mowed down and killed by a car. A rally that was organised, at least in part, by members of the so-called alt-right. Fox News alert right now. New information and video on those reports of that car crash you were looking at in Charlottesville. A warning first to you. This video you're about to see is very graphic. This untimely death sent shockwaves around the world and for many, highlighted just how polarised things have come in a Trump-run United States. But it also got people asking questions. Who are these alt-right? Where did they come from? And what do they want? Hello? Hi, Kathy. Can you hear me? This is Kathy Young. I'm a uh, writer, a contributing editor for Reason, which is a libertarian magazine in the United States. I also write a weekly column for uh, Newsday, which is a Long Island, New York-based newspaper, and I write for a whole bunch of different places. Kathy will also be returning to the Battle of Ideas Festival this year and taking part in a session that looks at the rise of the alt-right. Lovely. So, and I started out by asking Kathy what turns out to be a not so simple definition of the alt right. There's probably no really easy answer to that question. A lot of people say, and I think there is a lot of truth to this, uh, that the alt right is basically uh, rebranded white supremacism, essentially. Uh, that you know, because things like the Ku Klux Klan are clearly viewed as odious, people who espouse these ideas uh, have decided to find a kind of more neutral label. I think that certainly a lot of the people, when you look at the history of the alt-right, certainly there's a very strong streak of white nationalism at the very least. The complicating factor, really, and the reason that one cannot maybe necessarily affix that labeled all of it, is that when the alt-right gained a lot of visibility, and this was probably in 2016, early 2016, I think a lot of people um, were drawn to it simply, 
you know, without any necessarily clear ideas as to what it meant. They saw it simply as, you know, an alternative to the Republican establishment, which they saw as sort of too mainstream and squishy. A lot of people thought it was uh, just the sort of rebellion against political correctness without necessarily espousing you know, actual racist or misogynistic ideas. So I, I think to that extent, it's been a bit of a grab bag of uh, different people who see themselves as rebels against the current cultural mainstream. I think what we've seen in the past several months is a kind of separation between the alt-right and the so-called alt-light. Yeah, you've probably heard heard the expression. And this is a, a number of people who initially, I think some of them did explicitly define themselves as alt-right, although some of them are now trying to deny it. As they saw the alt-right uh, become kind of more explicitly associated with white supremacist and uh, were at least white nationalist and even neo-Nazi ideas, I think at that point, a lot of the people who for, for whom you know, alt-right simply meant a kind of descent from the cultural mainstream uh, decided to distance themselves. I mean, basically, it is a um, a white nationalist movement at the very least. And so, so would you say it is just a sort of rebranding of that movement? And and if so, I suppose what I wanted to ask is is who did the rebranding? Was it something that specifically came out of the movement as a way of rebranding themselves to attract more people, or or was it something kind of put on them by you know those from outside the movement? Uh, no, it was actually uh, people in the movement. And the movement started out as really a very, very small group of people in around 2008, 2009, I think, is when it first began to coalesce. Uh, and I think 2010 was when the website called alternativeright.com was created. And yeah, I think it was a kind of rebranding. I think they were the, the people who were in this, um, who was sort of a small group of um you know, writers and sort of intellectuals who were into these ideas. I think they realized that, um, you know, the white supremacist or even white nationalist label uh, really does not work uh, today. And I think alternative right was a um, way of finding a sort of acceptable label. And the message clearly was that, you know, they're dissatisfied with the right as it is. And it's not really necessarily just about um, the racial issues. It's also about sort of rejecting modernity. A lot of it is about dissatisfaction with the right's embrace of markets, sort of fantasies about a more sort of medieval style communal society. A lot of it is about rejection of individualism and the sort of the liberal order. So yeah, I mean, I think it is a self-chosen label. And I think a lot of people who use that label will uh, openly admit that it brings together, it's kind of an umbrella term for a lot of different groups and people. Um, and just to give you just one example, uh, it has a very strong component, for instance, of people who are calling for a return to a very kind of traditionalist Christianity, you know, including very rigidly defined male and female roles, etc. But at the same time, there's also a, a an alt-right pagan movement, a kind of neo-pagan movement that looks to you know the the deep 
historic roots of pagan Europe. It, it is, as I said, a bit of a grab bag to that extent. But I think it is uh, unified by a rejection of modern sort of liberal capitalist pluralistic society. Now, arguably, this rejection of modernist ideals isn't necessarily a bad thing. And in fact, many would argue that some of these ideals anyway are shared by those who exist on the opposite side of the political spectrum, the, the political left. But when it came to the events at Charlottesville earlier this year, any similarities between those two entities stopped immediately. It's explained by Cathy. That's where you really do see in Charlottesville some of the more sort of overtly white nationalist aspects of the alt-right. As you know, the, the rally was sort of ostensibly motivated by the pending removal of the monument to General Robert Lee, a Confederate uh, leader during the Civil War um, in the United States. And this is, I mean, the, the issue of the monuments is really complicated, but I think a lot of the people who are sort of exercised about this really do harbor sympathy for the Confederacy. I mean, they see it as um, advancing the cause of you know, white people, essentially. I think they're in sympathy with the you know, essential idea of white supremacy that the Confederacy certainly did embrace. Uh, so I think a lot of it was driven by that. And then you also saw people in that crowd who were um, you know, pretty overtly neo-Nazi. I mean, I, I know that there was at least one person there carrying a an actual Nazi flag with a swastika. I don't know if there were more. And that there were people, uh, you know, marching down the University of Virginia campus chanting, you know, you will not replace us. And then it became Jews will not replace us. And this kind of ties into, the, by the way, this um, uh, very central sort of alt-right idea that uh, what's happening in the West right now is that white people are being replaced demographically with, you know, all these black and brown invaders. And uh, the, the part of the uh, sort of alt-right conspiracy theory, by the way, is that Jews are uh, well, first of all, they don't consider Jews to be white, that Jews, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, people in the forefront of sort of left of center liberalism have been promoting immigration policies that contribute to this replacement of uh, white people by non-whites. So that kind of explains the background of this chant. And, you know, and a lot of it, you know, the, the torchlit parade, I think, was sort of deliberately styled to be reminiscent of some of the events in uh, Nazi Germany. So, you know, I, I think I think it was certainly very, very disturbing to a lot of people. And I think, yeah, the the, the uh, Charlottesville event, um, I think, did really showcase the um, white supremacist kind of roots of the alt-right. Good evening. I'm Chuck Todd here in Washington. Welcome to MTP Daily. So in the aftermath of, of Charlottesville, Donald Trump was sort of accused of defending the alt-right in a way. It was a chilling mix of whataboutism, false equivalence, and a total muddying of the waters after one person was killed and at least 19 were injured when members of the KKK, neo-Nazis, and white supremacists protested the removal of a Confederate statue in Charlottesville. Firstly, do you think this is true? He, he was sort of defending them. And secondly, why, why would he do that? Well, that is a very big question. I think this really goes further back, you know, to much earlier 
uh, in time and, you know, even before the election, there was this big question of why was he not repudiating the alt-right? Because a lot of, at the time, a lot of the momentum of the alt-right was really, that this would have been in 2016, was connected to the Trump campaign. You know, a lot of them were on the internet, you know, essentially agitating for Trump and, uh, you know, kind of pushing the Trump uh, message. And, you know, the Trump train was sort of a big thing at the time. And at the time, you know, the a lot of people were asking, you know, why will Trump not repudiate the alt-right? One interpretation is that he doesn't want to lose his white supremacist base. Now, I don't know if that is actually true. I mean, I don't know if there are that many people who consciously identify with white supremacists or white nationalists that their votes would matter and that, you know, they would, um, I mean, I, I don't think there are that many actual voters who would be offended. I think one interesting theory that I've heard, and it actually makes sense to me, that one reason Trump has not sort of more forcefully disavowed the alt-right is that he really thrives on people loving him, you know, and he really hates to say, you know, mean things about anyone who loves him. And, you know, for him, the world is kind of divided into people who love him and people who hate him. And, you know, the outright at least claims to love him. So, you know, therefore they must be the good guys, you know, they're sort of on the Trump train. So obviously, you know, he will not side with the actual neo-Nazis, but then he will say things like, well, you know, a lot of them were actually fine people in Charlottesville. And I think, by the way, that that's nonsense. I mean, you know, even if you happen to be, you know, if you're a, you know, basically normal person who wandered into this rally for, you know, whatever reason, like you think the, the General Lee Monument has great historical value and should be turned down, you know, when you realize that you have wandered into a rally where people are carrying Nazi flags and chanting Jews will not replace us, you know, you kind of say, well, you know what, I am obviously in the wrong place. I'm going home, you know. So I don't think that there were many people who were actively participating in that event who um, were actually fine people. You know? What about the alt-left that came charging at the, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt? What, let me ask you this. What about the fact that came charging, that they came charging with clubs in their hands, swinging clubs? Do they have any problem? I think they do. I watched those very closely, much more closely than you people watched it. And you have... Uh, you, you had a group on one side that was bad, and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent. And I mean, I think that right after this uh, horrible tragedy in which this guy who, by the way, was uh, a kind of neo-Nazi type who apparently had a long history of, you know, Hitler worship, uh, actually mowed down a bunch of counter-protesters and, you know, killed a young woman. Right after that, to say that, oh, well, you know, there's been a lot of violence on both sides. And yeah, 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 that was just really bad. I mean, that was just very, very poorly chosen words. And I mean, it certainly made it look like, you know, both sidism, uh, as a lot of people styled it. I mean, there is, at the same time, a very clear, you know, presence of a violent element on the left. You know, the, the Antifa uh, is one word that we've heard a lot, you know, in the past week. Um, and there are these um, groups on the left that if they decide that some conservative group 
is actually infiltrated by fascists or is promoting fascist ideas, they feel that they have a moral right to shut it down, you know, using physical force, uh, you know, like blocking the entrance or whatever, or actually using violence. And I think that's a bad thing. I mean, I think that um, there, that element, I think, was definitely present in Charlottesville. And I think there were um, you know, nonviolent people in the alt-right rally who, you know, whatever the merit of their ideas, you know, were not being violent and who did get physically attacked. Although, you know, I, my impression from the, um, from the accounts that I've seen is that I do think the, the there was a, the violence was initiated more on the alt-right side on that occasion. But, you know, since then, it is very true that there have been other events that were not necessarily, you know, associated with anything neo-Nazi that were really, you know, Trump supporters who were uh, on the right, but really not alt-right per se, that also got attacked by the anti fascists So, you know, it's... The uh, circus out there, you could say. It's a circus out there. It, it, it certainly is. And, you know, that's... I, I, I think that is the best way to wrap it up. <laughs> Yeah, and just just on a on a very final point, Kathy, and just kind of related to that, this this kind of idea of you know it being a circus out there, and there are all these movements, and they're all kind of similar but different. They're all over the place, and I mean, how important is it for for events like the Battle of Ideas for people from all these different movements to come together and sort of try and figure out some of these issues? Oh, I think it is quite important because I I think that while there is a circus like atmosphere, and while a lot of this uh, really is at the level of farce. There are actual serious ideas involved. You know, this does actually touch on serious issues. Like, for instance, um, you know, has the climate of the sort of social justice ideology and language policing and, uh, you know, behavior policing in mainstream society gone too far? I mean, that is something that the alt-right sort of uses to its advantage to capitalize on the discontent. But at the same time, I think this is a real issue. And I think it is important to look at the way that the alt-right uses some of that to promote other more insidious messages. I think it absolutely is important to examine the way that the rise of tribalism overall kind of feeds into alt-right tribalism. And, you know, I, I think it is important to look at this in a uh, dispassionate and sort of fact-oriented way, because there is a lot of misinformation all around. You know, there's a lot of uh, kind of moral panic. There's a lot of a kind of rush to equate, as I said, any sort of general, uh, you know, non-PC, uh, you know, presence uh, with the alt-right. And I think it is really important to have a look at this issue that incorporates different perspectives, that incorporates, you know, a genuine attempt to understand the facts. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, it is definitely a discussion that I welcome, and I think we should have more of it. I didn't wait long. I wanted to make sure, unlike most politicians, that what I said was correct, not make a quick statement. The statement I made on Saturday, the first statement, was a fine statement, but you don't make statements that direct unless you know the fact it takes a little while to get the facts you still don't know the facts and it's a very very uh, important process to me everybody said his statement was beautiful if he would have made it sooner that would have been good I couldn't have made it sooner because I didn't know all of the facts 
To find out more about the festival, head over to www.battleofideas.org.uk. Situation before he tweeted. I remember that a lot during the campaign. And last, but certainly not least, he did not express total confidence in his chief political strategist, Steve Bannon, who is basically, some would argue, the chief emissary in that White House to the alt-right.